0: we're covering money, but it's really, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a spiritual discipleship key element called stewardship. And, and, and the, the problem is, is that when I even mention the word money, most of the time it makes people feel uneasy. Um, that's not everybody. Most people feel uneasy for me. I get excited. I started now. Let, let me preface this though. Um, okay. I've said this a million times, Uh, probably not a million. That's a gross exaggeration, which pastors have a tendency of doing that. This is like um, at least a thousand times. Okay. When you hear something, when you hear something at church, when you hear something in the world, no matter what you hear, even if you read scripture, like this is the, this is the word of God. Correct. Let's start there for some of you don't understand what I'm talking about, but just know this is, this is my life application book. This is what I apply to my life for what I'm looking for in life. And so I'm filtering, when I look at the Bible, when I read scripture, when I talk to people, I am filtering everything I read, every interaction I have with other people based upon a core belief system that I have in the present. How do I develop that core belief system? Hours upon hours of what I watch, what I read, who I hang around. Everything that I'm doing, I, I develop this present core belief system of the past. So am I a reflection upon the past? Absolutely. God wants us to take us to something special and new. So when we filter scripture based upon past experiences, sometimes our past experience is actually perverting the powerful word of God. Wow. So so like when I, um, I read this book um, a little over 10 years ago, it's called Outliers. Has anybody read this book? Five of you. So this really hit home. Um, it's a really. Here's what I encourage you to do: go, go, go buy the book. Uh, it's called Outliers. It's written by Malcolm Gladwell. It was powerful because it was th- the premise behind it was talking about bringing people to this stage of greatness. Whether it be a pianist, whether it be um, a drummer, whatever the case may be, you're, you're bringing to somebody to this level of greatness. And it's been proven that it's taken about 10,000 hours to reach that greatness. So you look at Sam beating on the drums. I guarantee Sam has spent over 10,000 hours beating on the drum. I, I, am, I wish I had a consistent drummer in my household because anytime I have a drum, beat I just get fired up you know, you know I'm t- like I can't some people work out in music I need a good kick and drum beat to work out <laughs> obviously I work out as you can tell DK the point is is that I love the joke now I can't get back there no what I come what, what I beat on the drums will not be what Sam beats on the drums based upon 10,000 hours now I want you to think about this concept of money And I did this math for a service, and I think I think it'll make it'll make sense to you. Over fifty percent of people show up at work tomorrow morning, not looking looking forward to doing what they're doing. That's a proven fact. Most people show up just for the end result of making money. Okay. Now now bear with me. Listen to me as I as I dissect this. We have ten thousand hours, and then we have work where we spend over fifty hours. Say on average forty to fifty hours a week. And I am I turned forty six in February. And so say if I've been working for 20 years, which I've been working for longer than that, but just hypothetically, and I I did it for first service because I needed to make the math easy because I was doing it on the spot, and I didn't want to look like an idiot in front of everybody. So I did the math really fast. But say if we spent 40 to 50 hours a a week working, and I worked for a consistent 20 years of my life, I have developed over 48,000 hours of work (laughs) So, forty-eight thousand hours of work. And say, if I woke up every morning dreading to go to work because the only reason why I went to work is to pay my bills. So, if it took ten thousand hours of practice of a, of a particular skill set to develop a master craft of being a pianist, a drummer, whatever the case may be, it took ten thousand hours. But I'm spending forty-eight thousand hours. Say if you're 40 years old, for some of you that are 20 years old, guess what? You're you're not that level. So praise God we saved you at a young age. And the reason why is because some of us when we're 40 or 50, we start looking at the concept of money and our mindset on the concept of money has actually been perverted, not based upon really what the the truth. Our mindset is perverted because we just spent 48,000 hours training our mindset that money is not, I mean, we're just doing things in life just to make money. So we become a master at negative thinking. Yeah. So, so for me, when the, I, I had to repent first service, and the reason why I had to repent is because we, we've been a, a, a church entity. as, as I've, been a, I've been following Jesus since the age of 23, but as a church entity, we've been here for five years. And we have never talked about money. So if this is your first time, welcome. You just, you, just, you just got the most offensive topic you could potentially walk into. And, and we don't really care because we, want, because we want you to grow. We want you to become more like Jesus. And it's going to it, have a healthy concept of money in order to get you there. Um, so for me, I had to repent. And the reason why is because in the past, the concept of money when it comes to church is there's been always an end goal to increase generosity, can can I can I say can I, now is generosity good yeah. Yes duh But, but in, in the, the 15 plus years, I was a part of a church and there's nothing wrong with this. But when I saw somebody talk about money, when it comes to the church, say, I'm, I'm the pastor, I'm telling you about money. The end result I'm looking for you to do is for you to give money to the bride of Christ, which we should be giving money to the bride of Christ. I'm not taking, I'm not talking about that, but if the, if the number one motive is to bring money from people to build the vision of the church. That's an unhealthy way of talking about money. So as a result, I spent five years avoiding the topic, not because I'm not passionate about it, not because I don't believe in it, I've been avoiding the topic because if somebody new comes into church, we talk about money, they have 48,000 hours I'm battling against every single Sunday. The reason why I'm teaching it is because since the age of 23, where I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and as I started giving to the church, where I started giving to ministry, when I started having a different concept of money, uh, we built a business. 2019, that business went away. So I realized, from the age of 23 to the age of 43, I had this core belief set when it comes to money. Then, when all of a sudden the business went away, that core belief set kicked in. And did I did I react in fear initially? Yes, I was talking about the first service. I was like, "Man, I started doing some all types of crazy stuff." Like when 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 our business went away, I started um, selling things like in like watches, and my greatest regret, my greatest money regret, well I have a lot of those, but um, one of my greatest one was, um, I had a 1977 Ford truck, yeah. it was a four on the floor, and it was just like, it was my, It didn't have a radio that worked, and I rolled down the windows, some of you men can understand what I'm talking about, and I was, and I shifted, and it was a high boy, so it was high, and I'm like, oh, it was so beautiful, and it was, it, the upholstery was redone, and it was a brown exterior paint. It was so beautiful. It was, and it was, and, and only two people could sit in it so I could be alone. It was like, and, and um, so like, for, like it would break. But, but when, when our business went away, I had this truck and, and it broke down all the time. So it was just like, it was like, I throw money at it. One time, I actually lit on fire in my garage. Like I, it was awesome. The the um, but I loved it. And and but when that business went away, man, I just I started, I I fire sold that thing, and I man, it's just a really bad decision. Um, the and the first twenty four hours, my kids would walk around, and and they would be turning on lights, and I'm like shh, I I'm, I'm like, as my kids are turning on the lights, I'm just saying turn off the lights, because we had a we had a seven thousand square foot home, and every light was I was looking at. Five cents, 10 cents, 20 cents. I mean, I was just like, that's what I did. And that was my kind of my brain. So I started turning off lights and I started acting like an idiot. For my kids, I was like thinking that we were just going to go broke instantaneously. And But that's just, I, I had I had that fear. But but I immediately kicked back to the promises of God. I immediately kicked back to the hope. I immediately kicked back to, you know, I have faith that even though this may not be here anymore, I know the plans you have for me, God, are far greater than I can ever imagine. And I, and I spent, and, and I, and I, and <laughs> I, I don't know if I should say this, which is always an indication I should. Um, yes. <laughs> thank you, Ben. Um, for for a lot of years, we we always had giving goals. We didn't have earning goals, we had giving goals. So like for our mentality, and, and this is just me, this is, this is not the point of the message. We have three concepts we want you to walk away with because it's not about generosity. It's about our overall concept and how we see money. So like for me, um, we, for two decades, we, I mean, we gave over a million dollars of, of money to, to ministries, to the church. We gave it all away. And when the, when the business went away, did I think I wish I had that money back? No. Do you know, do I ne- that, that thought and that concept never came to me. The concept of, I wish I would have had that money back never hit me because for me, I thank God that I had over 20 years of sowing into something that I believed in, knowing that God does not return things void, that everything that I planted in, that's where my hope rested in. My hope did not rest in my job. My hope did not rest in our business. The hope did not rest in as far as how I was going to earn income. The hope rested in 20 years of programming my mindset and how I saw money, how I saw generosity, knowing that all that seed I sowed was going to set me up for the massive breakthrough I was still looking for today. Amen? So when, when collapse happened, I had a healthy perspective, a biblical perspective on how we filter money in our life. You understand what I'm saying? Good. So, we have three concepts that we want to talk about. Actually, let me, let me, let me where did my phone go? I have my, I have my Bible out here to make me look spiritual, but I don't have my glasses, so I can't read it. So, I hold it so, so Jenny doesn't yell at me later. i joke just joking, she doesn't. Uh, we don't have very much time. I'm sorry, babe. We're going to get into that because you have so many good things to say. Um, Luke 18. This is about the rich young ruler. Uh, Let's go to verse 24. Jesus saw his disappointment and looking right at him, he said, it is next to impossible for those who have everything to enter into God's kingdom realm. Verse 25, nothing could be harder. It could be compared to trying to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle. When somebody has a perverted mentality of money, they read this and they automatically think, if I'm wealthy, I'm going to have a hard time entering the kingdom. And that is wrong thinking. That's what I'm talking about as far as filtering money with a different perspective. You read this, it could be the most offensive Bible verse, and this is written in red. So this is Jesus talking. I know Jesus is, is, is all about love, but I'm telling you, this is an offensive topic. If somebody walks into this church and has great wealth, they read something like this. Guess what? They want to walk out of this church immediately. But instead, I want you, if you have great wealth, I want you to have a great perspective of that wealth that you don't see this verse and say, okay, is God t- trying to tell me that I can't enter the kingdom if I have great wealth? That's not what God's trying. Just like when, it, when I hear the, the um, money is the root of all how many of you all been perverted that in the past? Now I'm telling you, we're, we're obviously we're in a, a little bit of more mature, uh, Jesus followers, but, but the reality, I've, I've still meet people today that they were raised on that scripture, that, that money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love of money is the root of, and so we've, as a pastor, someone has perverted the word of God and the scripture and perverted it to something that could create unhealthy feelings and unhealthy mentalities and unhealthy belief systems and people that are following. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So i mentality is for us to walk out of here, begin the new year with a great mentality on money, because I want you to wake up Monday morning excited about what you're doing for work. I want you to wake up Monday morning knowing that your business serves a massive function and a purpose, and it is not to fund just 100% the church. That's not what it's designed for. So I want you to, I want you to walk on Monday morning knowing, okay, you know what? I'm excited because what I am doing right now serves an eternal purpose. So when I wake up Monday morning, I used to dread Monday mornings. Actually, I used to dread Sundays, which doesn't sound good. Um, not anymore, but like like I used to, because I dreaded, does anybody else dread Sundays that I have to work on Monday morning? Maybe I'm the only one. I probably am the only one. You guys are so spiritual. I I, I, I would like dread Sundays because Monday morning I had to go to work. And I woke up at 4.30 in the morning to go to work because I did not have a, a, nobody taught me a perspective on how I should look at my work on a daily basis. So let's talk about the three concepts. Why don't you clean up everything yeah. I just said? <laughs>
1: Well, going back to that verse that you were talking about, the rich young ruler, prior to that, he said, what must I do to be saved? And um, Jesus said, sell everything you have and follow me. And he walked away sad because he couldn't do it. This is not about money. That scripture is not about money, how much he had or didn't have. It was about where he found his wealth. And his wealth was stuffed in here. And that's where he decided to find his satisfaction. And so the thing about money, it's talked about, there's 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 scriptures is about money and possessions. So it's like 50% of the Bible.
0: And and, and 16... out of the thirty-eight parables that Jesus taught, in has to do with money and possessions. That's that's why in the first service, you gonna go. I had to repent because I'm sitting here thinking of all those verses, and I and I, I started to outline what we're gonna be talking about. Today. I literally had I had nine points and about sixty-five scriptures that back up. Like, and and I was like, I can, we can't do this. We'd overwhelm people. The point the point is, is that I, when I when I saw that stuff, I was like, I gotta repent, based upon my own healthy perspective on my past. Unhealthy. Unhealthy. Yes, we did. Don't say that unhealthy. Okay. Based upon my own unhealthy perspective on talking about money in the church, I, I have been um, removing wisdom from you that you need. And so it's my fault. And wisdom. And Pastor Ben's too. <laughs> it's his fault more. I'm, so- <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> That's what we're doing a series on. Pastor Ben's helped me out. I mean, there's people in this church that have helped me out through this process, and so Pastor Ben has helped me out tremendously when it comes to this topic.
1: Well, God, but I do blame him. Yeah, many many years ago, (laughs) a lot of years ago, God began speaking to Bob and I about money. We had a lot of good mentorship and a lot of good discipleship, and our thoughts and our mind about money started lining up with this. And see, as that's why it's so fun to work with the younger generation because. They're like, okay, yeah, tell me. Okay, great. Yeah, they're just adopting things. But we get to a certain age and what we believe about something is what we call truth. And if you can get to a place in life where you decide, I could be wrong about what I'm hearing today. Let me just, let me see if what I'm thinking is accurate. And if you can, if you took all of your thoughts about money and just pulled them out of your brain, inventory, and you put them on paper. And then you took the word of God and you took the scriptures about money and you say, does, does the word of God back up that thought? And if it doesn't, that's where I repent. Repent means to change your mind. I decide that my thought is wrong because it's not lining up with the one who created money. The one who created money, the creator of the world system of currency is probably the one that I want to listen to and be aligned with. Right, So this is how you renew your mind. This is how you grow. This is how you open yourself up to heaven is by saying, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about something. And we could, I mean, we don't have the corner on this subject, but I do know this. We've been living on those pr- on the principles that we've learned and getting aligned and being extremely blessed. And we lose something here, that's okay, because God just hands us something here, because so we're living on principles, so that's why Bob feels extremely convicted because for a couple of years it's been like Bob, we probably need to talk, teach about money and because of the trauma, you know he just, that's why we have a Sozo program here, right? Like literally, the trauma of money, not because of our business, but because of how the church handled money because he was in in committees and different places where it was like money was not treated the way that he felt was was the way that the God would want the money treated. And so that's why he feels like, okay, we need to start teaching on this because we can't withhold wisdom that we're being blessed by and not giving to the church because that's our job as pastors is to give kingdom principles. So, but the rich young ruler, think about this. he, He satisfied himself in his wealth. And what Jesus was saying was, could you set that aside, follow me and be totally satisfied in me? And he couldn't because his wealth had become his God. And there, there's scriptures that talk about you can't serve both God and money because money can actually come in as a God is called mammon and it can become a God. Okay. So I'm going to bring up Hebrews 13. This is in the message. It says, don't be obsessed. Actually, let me back up. Park it right there. Let me go back because we have three points. This is a miracle that we have three points. Almost forgot about it. Okay. First is first. And that is that money is neutral. Okay. That is your first point. Money is neutral. Okay. What do I mean by that? This is an example for you. So when Hannah, you've seen up here worshiping before, and now she's in college, but she comes home and joins us every once in a while. When she was little, as soon as she could hold a marker, a pen, a pencil, anything that would write she would be all over anything. i went in my office one day and my baseboards were all drawn on around the whole edge. So we'd be painting baseboards, my leather couch, turn around. Sam has little houses on him, you know, cause she's three and he's one and he's an open canvas and he just stands there because he's a good little brother. What do you do? Your big sister says, hold still. So you just let her draw. So Hannah was drawing on everything. Now she has an art business. You kind of pick up that stuff when they're little, but nonetheless, I had to call Leather Pro, aka Bob, called Leather Pro, three times to respray our couch because Hannah had drawn pictures, and it didn't matter if you said only on paper. To Hannah, it was like the world is my canvas. So what I realized with her is I had to put up all my Sharpie markers, and I used to sharp- i love Sharpies; I use them all the time. What I realized was I have to put them high, and I cannot let her have access to them anymore. Now, what I didn't do was look at Sharpies and go, these are evil. These, these Sharpies, man, I don't know what will happen if Bob gets a hold of one. Yep. <laughs> like on a bad day, what will What would Bob do to the house? <laughs> I mean, I'm PMSing, what would I do? <laughs> I've never picked up a Sharpie and went, oh my gosh, I just feel like, here, Micah, come here, let me draw on your face. I'm really sorry. I'll apologize later. Just... So money is like a Sharpie pen. It is neutral. This phone, we have told our kids, here's why we're not excited about giving you one of these. Because this can help you become extremely spiritually mature. It can get you super close to God through podcasts, the Bible app. It could be where you take notes in church. It could be literally the gateway to you becoming all that God wants you to become. Or according to what buttons you push with your fingers, it can become a place where the enemy traps you and takes you down a trail that could eat your destiny live and take you far from God. It could be a pornography device. It could be a Bible app. According to the person's fingers who touches the screen. So when we, and this I tell, you know, Esther's 13, she's amazing. I said, when, when we feel like your fingers will go on the path of destiny towards God, then we feel better about giving you one of these, but we know that your fingers are attached to your heart. Okay. Money, same. That is why I've never been afraid of being a multimillionaire billionaire. I am not afraid of being very, 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 very wealthy. I'm not because this isn't my God. It's not, we're going to get into that in point number two.
0: Can I, can I encourage you with something real quick? And, and this is what I do. If I hear something that, that stirs up any negative emotion, any negative, like if I hear anything, I start going through a, a, a like I'm, I'm taking that. And it's like a computer that has, it's either going to receive a virus or it's going to expel it. And so what I do is I start hearing that and I have that negative emotion. I start processing, is this for me? Is this my problem? Is this their problem? And if, it, and if, and if it, do I take, and, and so some, so many times we hear something and all of a sudden we have a negative emotion. That's where offense is birthed. That's where we all, we all of a sudden start taking on something that you were never meant to take on. Sometimes those negative emotions are clues that you have a deeper root that you need to be delivered from. So if when, you hear, when you hear Jenny say, I, I'm not afraid to be wealthy, some of you have a really bad filter based upon 48,000 hours of bad programming in your com- supercomputer. So when you hear that, if you have any type of negative emotion, that's not Jenny's thinking, that's your thinking. So we just need to process that. So, so, for me, with my own, with my own communication in regards to money, I needed a process knowing that, you know what, this is not, this is not their problem. This is my problem. I got to figure this out. This is a negative emotion that I'm actually hindering people's spiritual growth. I need to have this removed. And, and so for us, we need to be mature Jesus followers and say, you know what, this is my problem. It's not their problem. You understand what I'm saying? So when you hear something that may, they may burst some negativity. There's nothing in here that is meant to be negative. Some of it is offensive, but just like Sam said, it's offensive because I'm telling you, sometimes we only can change when we hear something that's going to basically a pervert, pervert our mentality that way we were thinking right and
1: now. And we're offending the religious spirit because the re- religious spirit has striving in mind for you. And it's going to tell you to strive for money. It's easier just to go, I'm more spiritual if I don't have it. Because the religious spirit will beat you up. It'll just beat you. Okay, so we're offending the religious spirit so that we can have an accurate understanding. Because most people in this room are going to do something tomorrow to make money. We're going to get that point in a minute. So the second point is this, is you can't trust it. I'm not saying that the Bible says it. I mean, I can vouch for that, but you cannot trust it. Are you trusting money to come through for you, to satisfy you? It can trick you. It can fool you. Okay. Hebrews 13, five and six. This is the message version. It says, don't be obsessed. That's the key word with getting more material things be relaxed with what you have since God assured us. This is what God assured us. I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. That's what God assured us. Then we can boldly quote. And I love this. God is there ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what, who or what can get to me. So as I've been thinking about this subject, knowing that we're doing this this month, you know, I've been really thinking and praying about this. And one of the things that happened the other night, I want to share this with you. It was really profound to me, but to give you a little bit of context before I tell you what happened, um, you know, as Christians, our job, it's really, really simple. Our job is to take our heart and press it into the father's heart. That is our job as a Christian. If you ever get confused, what am I supposed to be doing? Wait a minute. I've lost track of the path. Your heart pressed in to God's heart. And then he will press his heart into yours. That is home base for a Christian. Now I might read the Bible and the Bible is living. It is living, breathing. It is God. So when I'm reading the word of God and I'm meditating on it and I'm changing my mind about, I'm pressing my heart when I'm just soaking in his presence, maybe listening to worship music, just focusing and getting my heart pressed into him, I am pressing my heart into God. So the other night I had a dream and in the dream, it was really simple, but I heard God say, Jenny, I don't want worry to be closer to your heart than my heart is to yours. And I saw an image of my heart, God's heart, and worry trying to become closer, closer to my heart. It's possible for that to happen. I believe he was saying it to me, and I believe it's a corporate word as well. But then when I woke up, I said, okay, God, why'd you tell me that other than just the obvious reasons? And he said, because that's where the spirit of mammon comes in. Because when worry gets closer to the heart and you've pressed yourself into worry, And it's like, yeah, God, you too, but worry is closer to my heart. Then I'm starting to calculate and figure out how I can solve and money will, money solves problems. It does. But now I become a slave to the thing that I've pressed my heart into. Okay. So the Bible says, do not worry. It just, it just says, do not worry, period. I woke up in the middle of the night, which by the way, if you keep waking up in the middle of the night, like bright eyed and bushy tailed, don't call it insomnia, call it, I'm being called to prayer. So you get up out of your bed. I'm just giving you a little help here. Stop fighting it. Don't flop around like a fish. Get up, move somewhere else and say, God, I'm here. I'm listening. And he will begin. Don't try. Don't strive to hear him just receive. And he'll begin to talk to you. And the other night that happened to me, and I was in my living room, and I, I just said, "The thing that came to me was God. My private life, my not my private life, my my secret place with with the with the Holy Spirit, where I'm not in church, I'm not with my family, I'm, I'm I'm with Him, and I'm that satisfaction in God." So that right there cannot become stale. While my outer life, whether it's relationally, friends, church, ministry, career business, whatever. And that becomes more exciting than my secret satisfaction in Christ. My secret life in Christ has to be where the, that has to be where the juice is, right? And I said, God, I can feel it. I can feel the staleness here and the more excitement here. And I know why ministers get upside down because there's a lot of exciting stuff out here and it's easier to go towards the crowd, you know, Jesus did, he came apart from the crowd to get with the father. And that's hard when you're a people person. Okay. So this is what I was talking to God about in the middle of the night. And I was like, God, I, I just, I I was just feeling like I needed to guard the satisfaction in Jesus alone. Like that has to be like, I want to guard this because this is, this is my wealth. Nobody can take this from me. A corporation can't take him from me. He can't take him from me my kids can't take him from me. Now I can let him go. I could, but I was feeling the sense of to hold on to that satisfaction in him privately. And then all of a sudden I had a flash scene with my eyes closed and my living room became a hard, wooden, rugged floor in the middle of India. I've never been to India and nothing, there was nothing. I was wearing rags. I said, God, could I be satisfied with this that I see right here, and you're still here. Could I be satisfied? Could I, God, that, that's where I wanna get. I, 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 only you know, God, where I'm really at. I don't even know where I'm at. Because I have a lot of padding, I have a lot of good things that could be tricking me into that answer, I don't know. But I was like, that was my prayer. And then all of a sudden the scene flashed, and I had multiple homes that were multiple thousands of dollars on the coast, on golf courses, on things. And, <clears throat> and um, I was like, okay, st- right there. God, could I be satisfied in you? Could this still be the place of my deepest satisfaction? Or am I going to get distracted? And that, that is my personal prayer, that I can be wholly satisfied in him, with, without, and everything in between. And that's my job as a Christian, that's a, my job as his daughter to press my heart into him and let nothing come between. And here's the thing. We're saying today you can't trust money, but it's not just money you can't trust. I can't wake up every day and go, well, sure hope Bob's in a good mood because I'm in a bad mood and he better lift me up and I'm going to now trust him to satisfy me. How many of you married people say that doesn't work? I don't work. <clears throat> people that have kids because they're lonely, I'm like, uh oh, this is going to be a hard lesson. <clears throat> because they don't care about you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they're not gonna start depositing into you for a long time. Um, my mom said that we all got nice when we were 30. I'm like, oh, really? Okay, hey, maybe it'll go faster if we we'll pour into the generation. Um, so, do you see what I'm saying? Really, truly think about this. What and who can we trust other than Him? Our kids are going to disappoint us. Our spouses are going to disappoint us. Our church leaders are going to disappoint us. Pastors are going to disappoint us. Our best friends are going to disappoint us. Our employers are going to disappoint us. Our country has already disappointed us. We love America. I mean, can we trust anything? And the vision I have is sitting on something <clears throat> and the enemy pulls all the trap doors. He pulls the trap doors. And I just see people falling through. Oh yeah, shouldn't have trusted that. Should've, and you're like, well, I'm not going anywhere because I'm sitting on the solid rock of Christ whether i have millions whether i have nothing whether i have a little bit a lot whatever i'm st- i'm here i'm wealthy i'm satisfied in christ that is not something you can read about that is not something that your home group teacher can give you thank you that is not something that somebody else can teach you into that is something that you have to go after you have to go after the satisfaction of christ and let him become your wealth how many of you know what i'm talking about you've had to wrestle through this amen Okay. So what does money have to do with all that? Well, it means that money's not going to get out of order in your heart. Okay. The, the third point is this. Oh yeah, go
0: ahead. Uh, Let me say something in regards to that really fast. Um, our, our business went away May of 2019. I remember it it was February of 2019. We, we had this, this company, uh, trip thing. And, and we were in, um, Africa. And so it was like a safari deal in, in Kenya. And so we're all there in Kenya. We're having this little training powwow thing. And I remember my, my, my great friend, Wayne Johnson was sitting right next to me and he goes, you know what? And even if this business goes away, um, next year, you know, I still, what, what God has taken us through who we've become. We can, uh, and I was like, looking, I was like, No, I don't receive that actually. I mean, I, that you you could talk about that, but I don't, I I don't, and it wasn't, it wasn't, this wasn't about him, but he was, um, I didn't, I feared that the most. And so, so I want you to imagine that I feared it and three months later it was gone. And and the reason why it was, it was that, it was that safety mechanism, um, And I'm not going to go into theologically as far as God, Satan, all these different things as far as really what the cause and the demise. I don't really care. The point is, is that when it happened, something rose up inside of me like that. Like when, when, when Ben said, um, when, when faith is expressed, grace is released. Is that, is that your number one famous say? Is that right, Benjamin? Okay. I, I said that one day. The point is that, that, that fell away. And then guess what rose up inside of me? 20 years of faith building. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then guess what happened? I had the grace to be able to handle my situation. Do you know how many people have come up to us after, we, after 2019 said, that's, that's my number one fear is a fear of the business going away, all these different things. And, and, and the reality, this is why we're talking about you cannot put your trust in money. We've been, some of you have been through this. We've been through the 9-11. We've been through the stock market crash. I bought a house in 2007. Great time to buy a house, by the way. You, you know what I'm talking about? So we fear these things that we re- the reality we shouldn't fear at all because we don't trust the things. We don't trust the money. We don't trust the wealth. It's not worth it. We trust God. and So, so what you have to do is be, prepare- be preparing. Not that it's going to happen. This is not a doom and gloom type of situation. I hate those. Some of y'all love a good doom and gloom Sunday morning message. The only place where we can get some faith and some Jesus we hear about businesses going away. No, I'm telling you, you will go through some things when you're following Jesus. Jesus doesn't take the troubles away from you, but he helps you go through it. And so for me, I, we, we went through it. I didn't want it, but we went through and guess what? I am happier two months after it happened than I was before it happened. There was something that rose up inside of me. So God will take you through it. If you trust him first. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Proverbs 23 in the message verse four and five says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich, restrain yourself. Riches disappear in the blink of an eye. Wealth sprouts wings and flies off into the wild blue yonder. <laughs> Gotta love the message translation. And again, this can sound like bad news, but, um, we're going to end this with really showing you why this is a really cool topic to yeah. talk about. So you can't, number one, it's neutral. So why, how could you be afraid of something that's in your power to make it go one way or the other? Okay. So money doesn't have power. You have power because the Holy spirit is in you. But M-
0: Money will not make you evil. Money will only make you more of what you already are. Correct. So if you're turdhead before money, you're going to be a bigger mm-hmm. turdhead with money.
1: And what you do with $10 uh, is no, what you would do with a million. Because 10 I'm telling million. you, I've seen
0: it. I've seen people yeah. in this church that their business prospers. Well, guess what? They become more generous. Yep. It's because it, it makes you more of what you already are.
1: Yep. you understand? Yeah, it's a magnifier of the heart for sure. So if you think, gosh, what would I do with a million dollars? Well, you don't have to wonder. What did you do with 10 What you did with 10 is what you'll do with a million And God might be waiting on you to decide what you're going to do with your 10 before he gives you a hundred, before he gives you a thousand, before he gives you 10,000. He gives seed to the sower. When our business collapsed, I was so happy we had a million dollars in the kingdom. I was like, "Woo, that's good news right there. Because I know what this says about having seed in the ground. That's why I would never want it back. Are you kidding me? Why would I want a million dollars back that isn't doing something for the kingdom? Right? Okay. So the third point is this, after it's neutral, you can't trust it. The third one is you need it. Just when you're throwing money out the window and quitting your job and going to be homeless. Okay. Put your tent back. Okay. (laughs) Because that's what we want to do. We want to be like in this ditch or the other ditch. Religion won't let you have money just flow through your life and give it and have it and not have it and have a ton and not much right now and just very little and oh, we have a ton, but we're going to give it away and we're going to do this. and It won't let you do that. It makes you decide who you're going to be and it, it makes you, it, the religious spirit says money defines you. So you have to have an X equation amount of it to define you and put your identity on it. Don't let that spirit do that to you. You're more than that. You're more powerful than that. You're more potent than that. You should be able to go out there and just lay hands on somebody and see them recover, you know, sick recover. Whether you have five dollars or five billion, you should be doing what God's asked you to do with a little or a lot, and see money is you know flow and go. I'm a funnel, okay. But if you're using money to define you and give you value, you're the rich young ruler. He was saying, I can't help you. I can't deposit the kingdom of God in your heart because you already have something in there. You've already filled your heart with things, and I can't. There's no room. There's no space. So you, okay. So you need money. We need it. If we said you don't need it, just go out there and just, you know, whatever, like you all have to go to work tomorrow. And then what the, the root of all evil is money. And now I have to go earn it and I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. What do I believe here? Right. The love of money. It's the, it's putting it in the place of being your God. Okay. So you need money. And I'm going to use this analogy used it in first service. I went to school to be a dietitian. One of the things that we learned about food is it is the hardest addiction to break because of one thing. You need it. (laughs) It's not like, okay, just a little meth in the morning, just a little bit at noon, and a little bit at night. Just all in moderation, okay? (laughs) What's cool about every other addiction is you stop Right? And you get it out of your brain trails. You get it out of your system. You get your body away from it. So there's a clean break. But food is different. So if somebody, and and I know enough about statistically, there's people in here who are addicted to food. You don't have to be overweight, by the way, to be addicted to food. It's anything that you find satisfaction in and you look forward to, and it becomes your hope. It becomes kind of your mile point of the day. It becomes the I can't live without it, and it soothes me. Okay. That's the, that's the addictive part of this. Did you know that we were wired to be addicted to the presence of God? Addicted to him. You get addicted to that and you'll be fine. Everything's going to work out for you. If you get addicted to God, like I can't get enough, I can't get enough, I can't get enough of him. Okay. Before I go to bed, I just have to read my Bible. I have to read one more thing. One more thing has to light me up. Something out of this word just has to like hit me in the face. Wow. God, that's so awesome. Get addicted to God and everything will work out for you money will take its place. Your family will take its place. Your job will take its place. Your hopes and dreams will take its place. And so that is the addiction. We get addicted in the satisfaction of God. So the thing about, um, food is we want a, f- a person who's been a food addict to be able to have 17 pans of brownies, 26 packages of Oreos all in a, all in their house. Because a whole bunch of youth are coming over and they want snacks. How many of you know that to attract the generation we just spoke of, we have to have snacks? <laughs> okay, we need snacks. Lots of sugar. And as a dietitian, it's so hard. I'm like, uh, okay, whatever. This does to die. Die to that. Um, but you want to get to a point where if you had a ton of money or not, it doesn't matter because you're not addicted to it. Does that make sense? You're not like, you know, you're not looking, it's like, it's like food. So how, this is where the Lord said to end end this message, because this is a message that we could do like an 18 week message on. We could do a series for a long time. There is so much to say about money in the Bible, a lot, 2000 scriptures. Okay. Um, So he wanted us to build just this Um, this basic understanding, nothing that we said today has been advanced, right? But it's just this basic understanding of money. But this is the the vision he gave me. He showed me this bucket. Okay. And everybody in here has a bucket and it says vision on the outside of it for you, for you. Vision. So Sam has a bucket. Madden has a bucket. Jeremy has a bucket. Rob, Jody have, have a bucket and it's vision and it's your assignment. It's your assignment. Something to do for the kingdom of God. Something. It's a vision that God's going to give you or has given you. How many of you by raise of hands say, God has told me to do something that I don't currently have the money to do it, but he wants me to do it for the kingdom. And if you don't have, it's okay. Just raise your hand. Something, but I don't currently have the money to do it. Okay. Everybody in here needs to get to the point where you raise your hand. Because what we know is that most people will only let this bucket be as big as what they've figured out that they can earn. Okay, so, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna reduce my vision to, okay, y'all are great. Okay, Bob, you, me, and the five kids. Okay, we have this much, this is our budget, this is about what our bills are, this is da-da-da-da-da. And then we call that good enough. But family, according to God's definition of family, isn't just who lives in one household. It's the family of God. And so when you look at what does the family need, whoo, more than I know how to make. I don't know how to earn, I don't know how to make all the money that's in that in that bucket. And I want to challenge you to look outside of what you can earn and catch this. Receive the finances by faith. And this is what I'm sick of. Okay. I'm sick of money being its own little category. And I have to earn it. Okay. Everything else I'm going to receive by faith. I'm going to receive joy by faith. I'm going to receive peace by faith. I'm going to receive healing for my left knee by faith. I'm going to receive everything else by faith, but that I have to earn it. And that's why my vision bucket is so low. And I'm going to go to my grave, having not accomplished the thing that God asked me to do on the earth. And that is called sad. Okay, but because we accidentally worship money instead of letting our daddy just give it to us because you know what? The visions that God's given me for the family, that's his problem. Yeah. Your vision is bigger than me and he knew it. He's not asking me to go out and start 18 businesses and this and that and the other thing. He's definitely not asking me to sit home and you know look under the couch cushions for the money either. What I'm doing is I'm saying, God, I agree with that vision. You and I both know that there's no hourly wage at any job that could fill that bucket. So I receive that by faith and I say yes to it. So God, where would you have me go? It's just like receiving anything else by faith. Anything else by faith. If you came to me and said, Jenny, I need you to pray for my knee. You would be cooperating, right? We'd pray for your knee if I am believing for joy and I haven't had joy in my life and I want to receive joy by faith, I'm not going to sit back and be like, fine, God, I mean, try whatever. You know, it's not like he's going to come down and just start tickling you to death. And no, what we do is we go, okay, I'm, I don't have any faith. I mean, I don't have any joy, so I'm going to receive it by faith. And so I'm going to be looking for, I'm going to be looking for that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be open to receiving that. So we've told God, Hey, Hey, to fill that vision bucket that's bigger than any business or job that we could ever have, we're open. It might be an invention. It might be a business. It might be somebody writing a check. It might be this. The, I don't know. I don't really care. I don't really care. What matters more is that this girl said yes to it. By faith. By faith. And let's all say that. By faith. By faith. So if we're going to receive everything else by faith, why wouldn't we receive that by faith? Our really good friends, I'm just going to call them A, because there's a little story here. Friends A, they have had massive supernatural, really cool stuff happen in their life. And they went through the same um, crash, business crash that we did. So they were rock bottom knowing that God would come through somehow, some way, but there's that space and time before that happens. And they went to God and said, okay, we like, we had it in our heart to do this and this and this and this and this. Like, did we miss it? Like, are we still supposed to, because what you were trying to do is we we're trying to protect ourselves from disappointment. Right? Yeah. And if you've been devastated financially, you, you need to press through that. You need to press through. You need to break through so that you don't try to put a formula around your devastation and make it your doctrine. If your devastation has become your doctrine, then the enemy has you trapped. And so friends A have nothing. They go to God and they're like, God, we still care about, do you want us to still care about these things? But you your CR situation. They have friend B in their life, who they've been friends with for a very long time. Who have a ministry that just eight months ago their ministry a B their ministry these guys are out in trailers out in the middle of nowhere planting churches all over the world and they're peeing in little pans at night because they don't have running water to their to their um, RVs that the missionaries are in and they they've been doing that for over twenty five years believing God believing God that he's going to come through financially, believing God, because those are people B. So A and B together equal, well, we're not getting very far. Okay, so person C. C and B went to college together, went to ministry school together, way back in the day. And they made this agreement. Person B said, I'm called to the mission field. Person C said, I'm called to the marketplace, to business. And he said, I'm going to go. God's told me to go make as much money as I can to fuel what you're going to do. So here we are 20 plus, it's like 25 plus years later, this guy landed hundreds of millions of dollars, person C. And he turned around, dumped it over on person B. Person B started going around to person A's dreams and said, how much, do the, how much are you going to give to them? Here you go. Write the check. How much you want to give to them? $250,000 to this college campus? Here you go. Started writing checks on these guys' behalf. (sighs) We can't limit God how he's going to do it. Your job is to look in your vision bucket and go, God, have I reduced you down to only my bills? Because no kid at five and six years old says, my dream in my heart is to get out of debt. My dream in my heart is to get out of the debt that I get myself into. These are my biggest dreams and aspirations in life. And to be able to pay my bills every month. I mean, this is dreaming, baby. If your kid said that, you'd be like, we are so off track. <laughs> Do you want to be a hairdresser, an astronaut? Like, a, come on, let's work. No. Okay, but some of you have not been dreaming because you're afraid and devastation has become your doctrine. So we need... To go before the Father and repent, which means what? Change your mind and say, God, your vision, your provision. Jehovah Jireh means the God, my provider. Provision is provider, provider of the vision. If you don't have a vision, you don't need lots of stuff. You don't need lots of money because it can't make you happy. But if you have a lot of vision, you're going to need money to resource it. You're going to need the tools to make it happen, right? Lots of Sharpie markers, lots of Sharpies, lots of people with lots of Sharpies, right? Is it okay that it's just this simple? So we're not throwing money out the window and we're not going to make it a God. We're going to say, God, what do you want me to do on the earth? And I bet it's going to take money. So let me not be in love with it. Let me be in love with you. And if you take care of your heart to stay in love with God and you press your heart into him, you are going to have an adventure of your lifetime providing for the kingdom. Amen. Amen.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's all stand up. We're, we're, we're long. I, I, um, I personally, I, I, I'm sorry. I re, I re, I repent for, not, I used to think talking about money is like talking about or thinking about the dentist. Like there's some people that get really excited about it, but most people, they just do it every six years until they need a, a, a good old filling. Judge me all you want, Joel. <laughs> See anything that deters your intimate relationship with the father I, I want to expose the lies we've been telling ourselves for years. I I have a, I, my, my mentality, cause, cause here's the reality with it. I have a vision for what I see the collective family being like, because I, I, I see a building, not like, I mean, this, those buildings are amazing. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Vigilant. I mean, everything's amazing. But, but like what I envision is is having the family together in one service. What I envision is not just a Sunday morning celebration apostolic center. I see every night of the week small groups taking place. Youth meeting, prayer meetings. I see twenty four seven prayer taking place. I see twenty four to thirty classrooms that creatives are talking around with with video production, um, um, art, um, uh, song, song, um, music production. That I, I, I see this this land of creatives. I see I see the building always being used. I see a turf field. Coach Mamie Lee, you said amen. I see a basketball court. Everybody said amen. Not just one basketball court. And I'm not, hey, and, and three people are excited about it. The rest of you are like thinking, I just want to have some lunch. I get it. But that's what I see. But it, So in other words, are we asking for something? No, we're not asking for something. As we're talking about this to receive something, absolutely not. But I see a vision where we all together Can come around and 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 for me, my job is to help you get what you want out of life, to impact your sphere, to see kingdom in the Portland Metroplex around your environment, around your job, around your business, all these different things, not to grow the collective church, no, to create community for we for us to grow together, to do this together. Do you understand? So not not to have a a church, to have a family that impacts the Portland Metroplex like we know we should.